0: Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Welcome to our live stream here at Community Church. We are so glad that you're joining us. Uh, Listen, it's our first time doing a live cast, and so if you have any difficulties, we apologize. But you don't have to worry. We are recording the service at the same time, and really, it's not a full service. It's just my sermon. Next week, we will work towards, uh, you know, having a full complement of worship. Uh, appreciate Hillary jumping in here uh, this morning to do a little bit before we started. Uh, But we are going to record the the sermon. It will be up on our podcast later on this afternoon. We'll post it to our YouTube channel as well as Facebook a little bit later. Before I start with my message to share what God's put on my heart for today, Uh, and again, it's just a word of encouragement uh, in light of what we're facing right now, I do want to say thank you so much to all of our leaders our pastors, all of our lay leaders that were prepping for this week for us to meet, uh, even though we made the, the decision to change that Friday evening, uh, we, we just want to say thank you. And i was so grateful for our pastor's council uh, and, the, and the expert that helped us as we were navigating through this, all of their wisdom, their conversation, uh, their prayers. I'm just so grateful for them. And I'm grateful to you. Thank you for everyone that has sent emails and text messages saying thank you, Pastor Craig, and to the leadership for taking this steps that we're taking. And again, may we just continue to pray and believe uh, that this is going to pass. I know it's going to pass, and uh, but we're going to do church. We're going to keep doing ministry, and we're excited about that. There's a couple other things that we just want to remind you of. Our plan moving forward is tentatively, we are aiming for March 29th to be back together. And so we're going to run our 9, 15, and 11. And that particular Sunday is Pastor Megan's farewell. She's going to be preaching. Uh, We're going to celebrate her and honor her. And so be here on March 29th. If we do have to change plans, what we will do is we will find an alternative date where we can honor and celebrate Pastor Megan. Uh, But for sure, March 29th will be her last Sunday with us. And uh, we want to speak blessing and favor over her and Daniel as they make their way uh, to Portico couple of other things uh, in lieu of all of that and all that's going on. Look for our ki- our children's ministry and our, our youth ministry to do some creative, interactive stuff. The staff will be doing some interactive stuff through social media. I think Pastor Megan's already set up some stuff for this morning that parents can do with their children. Uh, Pastor Jonathan's working on some stuff for our youth ministry uh, on Tuesday night. And of course, collectively, they'll do something for Spark. Uh, but we're going to find a way to help continue to do ministry in your life. Uh, it's just going to happen to be online and not face-to-face. Uh, outside of that, we want to continue to use the prayer network so we know what's going on so we can be praying for you uh, through the season. One last thing that we want to remind you of is giving. Uh, if you're able to continue to give, we would so appreciate that. You can certainly do that through uh, the bank, uh, as many of you are doing, uh, as a bill payment type of thing. Uh, we also have now set it up so that you can give online directly from the website. It is credit card only, so just so you know that. But if you do have questions regarding giving, you can contact Felicia at the office. Her email is bookkeeper at communitychurch.ca, and you can talk to her about coming up with any other alternatives to to give uh, in this season since we're not meeting uh, together, But we want to say ahead of time, thank you for your faithfulness. We really do appreciate that. As well, Easter, uh, if, if things continue uh, to get better, and that's our prayer, that's what we're hoping for and believing for, we are going to gather here on Good Friday uh, at 9, 15, and 11. And then on Easter Sunday morning, we're going to gather together for one service at 10 o'clock at Providence Christian School. And so, again, look for all that information. It's going to be a great weekend together, and uh, we're excited to see you there. I I wanted to switch gears uh, today. I was prepared to start our series called The Walking Wounded, talking about things that wound us that uh, don't really help us in the way of our walk with God, uh, that actually hinder that walk. And in the middle of the week, I just felt like uh, it's important in moments like this to address what's going on, what's in front of us, and, and to help give you not only insight to You know what we have decided to do, but also that you would understand. uh, uh, You know, not only our heart, but but we want to encourage you that this is not a a moment where we back away, but as a church we rise up. And so I want to I want to share a word with you. So uh, as you're watching this right now, or if you're watching the recording a little bit later. I just want to take a second to pray, and then I just want to share with you some thoughts that God's laid on my heart, uh, and hopefully it encourages you and challenges you, and so Father, I just want to thank you today that we can do this, that we have the ability to do this, to, to go online, to uh, share the message, uh, to speak into each other's lives. Uh, I thank you for all of the churches around our region and around uh, our nation that are doing the exact same thing today to help uh, you know curb the spread of this virus, and so Lord, we, we pray for every one of them. I pray, God, uh, your anointing to rest on them. And God, at the same time, I also pray that, God, as we've been praying for the last number of months, that, that Holy Spirit, you would give us ears to hear, to hear what you're saying in this moment and in this season for our lives, not just for today, but for tomorrow. And I pray, God, that whatever we share today, whatever's heard today, that, God, you would give us the, uh, the courage to walk it out, and may we be obedient to your word. And so, Lord, we pray for that right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you about balance. Uh, You know, balance is a funny thing. You know, balance is fun when when you you know you do it. Uh, Probably all of us. In fact, I know all of us at some point have balanced, right? Like you know, whether it's we were a kid, you know, and we're on uh, a curb or maybe a a, you know a, a wall that was a little bit higher, and and we try to balance. And the thing about balance is, if we do it right. And it takes a combination of things. But when we do it right, it's awesome. But when we don't do it right, it becomes a problem. We will probably suffer a little bit of pain, a little bit of hurt. In fact, when my family thinks about balance, uh, we often think about a moment that happened for us as a family in, at one of our family Christmas gatherings. Traditionally, we get together uh, with my family on Christmas Day. And uh, we will do a late afternoon uh, dinner together. And so my sister arrived a couple of years ago with her family, and she gave my nephew this hoverboard. Now, right now, if my sister's watching the recording or she's actually catching this live, she's hating me right now for telling this story. But I'm going to tell it anyways because it illustrates what I want to illustrate so my nephew shows up with this hoverboard that uh, that my my sister and her husband bought for him. And, and he gets in the house, and he's flying around on this thing. I mean, it was so smooth. You would think the kid had been on this hoverboard for years, not just a few hours. And then I watched a few others before dinner try to get on. And you can, you can see them trying to get their balance, but it's not easy. The slightest move forward could take you too fast. Or the slightest move backwards can stop you all of a sudden, and you go flying. It, it, it's really a combination of things in order to catch the right balance. And I was so impressed because when I saw others trying to do it and my nephews flying around like it's no big deal, you realize the ability to focus because that's what it is. It's about focus. It's about you know weight, uh, distribution. It's about where your feet are placed, all those kinds of things in order to, for it to be successful. Well, after uh, dinner, my sister decided that she was going uh, to get on this hoverboard. And the story that I'm about to tell you, what happened in the next few moments, is not only uh, made my sister somewhat famous because she ended up actually being on the top 10 Fail Army videos for, uh, for hoverboard failures that year. Um, but she's also provided a lot of hours of endless, pure joy for me as her brother. I, I'm not going to lie. It's, I know she's angry with me right now, but it was, it was funny, to be quite honest with you, because she decided to get on this thing. And as she was getting on this hoverboard, my niece decided that she was going to videotape this. And so as my sister's going around the corner, uh, or sorry, down the hallway, to the right of her was this, uh, this mirrored side table that my mom had in the hallway. I don't know how to describe it. It was just like a side table that was made completely out of mirror. Uh, and to be honest with you, there's no word to describe it except for, well, ugly. I'm not going to lie to you. It was, the, uh, Mom, I know you love this thing. But it was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And as my sister was going past it, she started to wobble a little bit more. And the next thing you know, she goes flying. The hoverboard goes from out underneath her feet. And it smashes this mirrored unit. And I come around the corner, and all I see is just pieces of glass everywhere. You can see my sister on the ground. She's part laughing and part in pain. And you can hear my mom going, oh, no. Oh, and you can tell she's grieving. She yes, she's worried about her daughter, but she's grieving the loss of this mirrored uh, side table, which the rest of us were going, "Hooray, it's gone!" You know, we don't have to pawn it off on anybody else. So that type of thing. You can hear at the table someone like literally saying, oh my goodness, please tell me that you caught that on video. And you can hear my dad at the very end saying, I knew that was going to happen. You know, and, and, but again, I digress. The reason why I tell that story is to point out that balance is not an easy thing. Balance is something that takes a lot. And if you don't do it right, you can falter. And when I think about what has been going on in our world today, and, and I think about some of the responses that I've seen over the last uh, number of days, just like you on social media, it concerns me a little bit. It concerns me that I don't know if we're necessarily taking a balanced approach. You know, we have one end where people are somewhat minimizing, you know, what's going on. And I get it. We want people to remain calm. And, and certainly, yes, absolutely, we need to have faith. But can I just speak this word the scriptures talk a lot about wisdom and the need and the value for wisdom. In fact, what I'm reminded of is 1 Kings uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 5, tells the story of King Solomon when he became the king. And one night while he was sleeping, he had a dream and God spoke to him in that dream and said, Solomon, I'll give you anything that you want. What do you want? And Solomon was a young man at that time. And, and so at that point, he, he just looked at the Lord and said, God, you know what? I, I understand the gravity, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I understand the gravity or the weight of my responsibility of leading your people, this great nation. And so God, the only thing that I'm gonna ask, and he didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for riches. He said, I just wanna have a discerning heart. Meaning I just wanna have the ability to have wisdom in making the right decision, the right choices. I think it's honoring to God when we choose to walk in wisdom. Verse 10 actually says that God was so pleased with his answer that God gave him all of the other things and even more so, did he give him wisdom? He said, no one will ever be able to match your wisdom, Solomon, because you asked. I think in seasons like this, that yes, we need to have faith and yes, we need to calm. But at the same time, we need to exercise and use the wisdom that God has given to us. And then you swing the other way. And The problem with swinging the other way is we've seen a lot of panic we've seen a lot of anxiety we've seen a lot of fear you know we think oh, we see all the hoarding that's going on you see pictures of empty shelves in in grocery stores and and it's disappointing and I've seen many of you comment the exact same thing it's disappointing to see people you know hoarding and really hoarding's not just greed hoarding is the result of fear it's the result of of you know being concerned and, and worried about tomorrow not knowing what's what's coming next? What's that next step? And you know, I, I get it. You know, to be honest with you, throughout this week as we were uh, trying to figure out as a staff what we're going to do and, and talking as a leadership, what steps are we going to take? I started thinking about my three daughters because for them, this is probably one of the first major worldwide crisis that they've, that they've felt or experienced. It's come close to home. And, and I think about my youngest, who's 10 years old. And at the beginning of the week, I would ask her, are you doing okay? Are you?" Because I knew that all of this was out there. People were talking at school. And, and at first, she's like, Dad, you know what? I'm fine. I'm good, Dad. And then as the, the week progressed and school got canceled for the next few weeks, uh, though I'm sure that made her a little bit happy inside. Um, but when I asked her again, are you okay, babe? And she looked at me, and she's like, Dad... I'll, I'll be honest, I'm a little scared. And I'm like, you don't need to. You don't need to. You don't need to, because I discovered that in my own life, because for me, I remember when I was about 18 years old, experiencing my first uh, real worldwide crisis, which was the Gulf War in the early 90s. I remember going to church that night. It must have been youth or something like that. And And I remember going there and hearing that the coalition forces that were led by the U.S. were, you know, um, laying an assault against Iraq because they were occupying Kuwait. And if you could see inside my 18-year-old minds, you would see that I thought this was the beginning of like World War III and utter destruction. Like I was so concerned and so overwhelmed. But the reason why I can look at my daughter and, and look at all of my daughters and look at you today and say, we don't need to fear, is because what I've discovered and what I've seen in the way of a difference between the 18-year-old and how I perceived the world back then versus today, the difference is not just weight and not just you know life experience or hopefully maturity, although my family would debate that with you, that the maturity thing hasn't really kicked in. But, but I've come to discover over the last 20-plus years the faithfulness of God to his promises, that they really are yes and amen in him. And so I don't fear, I don't have anxiety over what's going on around me because I know that God has been faithful and I know that God is going to be faithful in moments like this. In fact, when we started our conversation as a leadership, from the very uh, onset, I made it very clear. I'm like, guys, listen to me. I don't care what we choose to do, I don't care how we communicate it, except all I care about is this, that we don't feed into the fear, we don't feed into the anxiety, we don't fear into the idea of minimizing this, but that we communicate who we serve. And we communicate with a tone that says, man, I trust God in all of this, we're gonna take wise steps, but we're gonna trust God because he's still God, he's still faithful. He's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to promises like Psalm 91, which is a great psalm that was read by one of our prayer partners impromptu last Sunday morning as she came to transition us in a time of prayer before we went to the message. And that whole psalm was a promise of God. If you've never read it, you need to read it and you need to pray it. And I love how she said, let's insert our name in all of these promises for those that choose to make God the refuge, that choose to say, hey, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to cling to you in the midst of life and the chaos of life. And I love the very end of of Psalm 91, verse 14 and 16. It says this, that the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, this is the moment that we call on God. He says, I will. Not, I might get to you. It says, I will. He says, I will answer you. And I will be with them. You notice that, that word, with. He walks with us in the midst of our trouble. And he again reiterates, I will rescue and I will honor them. And I will reward them with this long life. And I will give them salvation. That's what I've been praying over my girls every single day this week as they've been off, you know, going to school or my daughter that's been at university in Peterborough and praying this prayer over them and trusting that, God, you're going to watch over them. And another promise that that hit me this morning as I was getting ready for this uh, live cast, I, I just started to think about Psalm 23. Man, we all know it well. Even if you don't go to church, you've probably heard it a billion times. But just those words of the psalmist David saying, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, meaning deep darkness, the kind of darkness that surrounds us where we feel like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. We don't know where to turn. We don't know what to do. But the psalmist says with absolute confidence, he's like, I will not fear any evil. Because God's rod and his staff, meaning God's provision, his presence, his promise, the the wisdom of God, the the hand of protection of God is with him. And and the the psalmist says, listen, it comforts me, it secures me, it anchors me. So I want to encourage you today. Don't minimize what's going on. Let's use wisdom. And then at the same time, let's not feed into the fear and let's not be fearful. Let's not be full of uh, anxiety or a sense of worry. But if anything, let's trust God in the midst of this. If anything, um, let's do what A.W. Tozer has, has, has said, and I've seen this on social media all over the place. He said, a scared, a scared world needs a fearless church. I love that. A fearless church this is not the time, church. This is not the time, community, to, to shrink back or to hoard or to freak out or to minimize. This is the time to show the way. This is the time to be the church. We, I mean, we should be the church in general anyways, but what an opportunity in front of us to rise up and be the fearless church because of the God that we serve, and that was important to me. So the question is, you know, what do we do? how do we approach moments like this? What is our our steps that we need to take? And I go back to the word balance. I think we need to take a balanced approach, meaning we need to find the combination of things. Just like my nephew was able to find when he was on that hoverboard that at any moment could just go out from underneath his feet, but he found a way to navigate through it. If we can find the right combination, we'll see success. We'll get through this. If we don't, it can lead to a lot of devastation. It can lead to a lot of brokenness. It could feed into the fear, and we don't want to do that. And that's where I think, you know, as I was thinking about that this week, God just dropped Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37 in my heart. It's this moment that, uh, that an expert in the law did what many of them did. The religious leaders didn't like Jesus, let's be honest. In their eyes, he was a renegade. He caused a lot of trouble. He stirred up a lot of things. He challenged a lot of things. He questioned a lot of things because he's here to set things straight for all of humanity. And so we often joke around here that we we think about Paul being like this loose cannon and always stirring up trouble, but But Jesus did the same thing. He wasn't just this mild, meek, loving, caring individual. There were moments where Jesus made things awkward and challenged things on purpose, especially among the religious. And so there was this moment where there's this expert in the law, and he comes, and and Luke chapter 10 says that he came because he wanted to test Jesus. He wanted to find a way to trip Jesus up and to embarrass Jesus. And so he looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus responds with a question by saying, well, you tell me. You tell me what you, how you read it or how you understand it since you're an expert in the law. And so the expert responds by reciting the Shema and it's a passage out of Deuteronomy. It was a lifestyle that, that the Israelites were committed to. In fact, they were challenged and encouraged to impress this on their children's hearts, that this would be a part of their daily lives, that they would love the Lord their God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their minds, and with all of their strength. And then he continues to say, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus looked at him and said, you've answered correctly. And he said to him, if you do this, you will live. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a second. But, but if you look at Matthew's account, Jesus says that, that all of the law and the prophets were built on these two thoughts, meaning they are equal, they're a powerful combination in life. It should be our mandate as the church to do this in general, but I think this is appropriate to speak in a moment like this, that in a moment like this, the right combination starts with engaging God, and go back to the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Is this idea that the entire you, every aspect of your life, every avenue of your life, your heart, which is like the uh, the seat of your emotions, your the center of you, where you think through things and you you make decisions you know, is, is, is open to God, is, is engaging God in any moment. Or, you know, your mind, which is the, you know, the, uh, your, your thought capacity, your, your ability to process, to meditate on the word of God, to contemplate what God is speaking or saying. Your soul, meaning the core of who you are, you know, the depth of who you are, at the very depth of who you are, are you engaging God? Are you connecting with God? Are you interacting with God? Are you completely giving everything, including your strength, meaning your skill, your activities, your ability to do things? Are all of those things, the entire you, should be completely surrendered and engaging God? And, you know, when I look back to what I said earlier about, you know, the 18-year-old me and, 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 and the difference between that moment and, the, and feeling how I felt when we were talking about the Gulf War, you know, I, I, and the difference today is not just seeing God being faithful to his promises. The reason why I can stand here today, the reason why I can confidently say to you that we don't need to fear is because I've chosen for the last 20 plus years of my life like so many others to choose to live this out by engaging God going deep in God. We we here at community have done a series called Deep Rooted where Jesus said listen if you really love me if you really want to call yourself my disciple you won't just hear my words but you will you will live out my words and and when the storm hits you will you will have you will be able to survive because you've dug down deep to the foundation or to the bedrock because you've built your life on me. When I think about engaging God, what's happened for me is that it's led me to a place where I absolutely feel like it's anchored me. It sustains me. It's the very thing that gives me the confidence to be able to express in moments like this that everything is going to be okay. That we are going to get through this and that God is with us. He's not just watching from some distant place. He's here. He's in your home. He's with you when you're traveling. He's with you when you're walking into your workplace this week. I believe that God is with you in the midst of trouble like this. But you would know that. I know that simply because I've just immersed myself my entire life. Not perfectly, that's for sure. But every single day I do my best to just call on God, to spend time with him and to connect with him. It's that place that that I think will find the right wisdom that is needed to care for and to make decisions and to to treat people the way that we need to treat them. My challenge to you is that in this season, even more so, let's engage God. Man, we, we have access to the throne room of God. You know, there's a passage of scripture in the New Testament talks about how let's come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain time and mercy in the time of need. And I just believe that this is the moment where the church should rise up. This is the moment where I'm asking you community to rise up, man, and to intercede and to pray and to continue to engage God. Let your faith be built up, man. May you be encouraged by his presence. May it give you a sense of assurance today that no matter what you face, God's with you. But here's the thing, you can't just stay there. That's only part of it. If we just stayed there, I think that's the imbalance. I go back to what Jesus said, or what was said in this passage of scripture, that it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. Actually, to be honest with you, the way that that really should read is to love your neighbor above yourself, beyond your expectations. Let's be honest. All of us have expectations of how we think we should be treated, how we think, you know, uh, what we need or anything like that. But not everybody's the same as we are. And I love that Jesus says, love your neighbor above yourself. And the reason why I love this is because, you know, he, he really drives home the idea that it's more than just meeting people at your expectation level, but meeting them beyond your expectation level. And and he drove home that point when the expert of the law says, well, Jesus, tell me. Because on the heels of this conversation, he says, well, tell me, who's my neighbor, Jesus? And so here's the moment where Jesus triggers him a little bit, made him feel a little bit uncomfortable because he begins to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, all of us have uh, one time or another have heard the story of the Good Samaritan. There was a man that was traveling And as he was traveling, he was ambushed by uh, some individuals, some robbers, some thieves. And they took everything that he had, and they left him for dead. They beat him so bad that they left him in the middle of the road. And Jesus says, as he's lying there, just literally, just clinging onto life, a priest walks by, but he doesn't stop to help. A Levite walks by, doesn't stop to help which is super surprising because of the role. You would think that it's in their nature to be compassionate, to stop, to do what was required. But in that day and in that time, there was a couple things going on and some of it had to do with violating their ability to do ministry. But at the same time, the religious leaders of their day was more concerned about what benefited them than anybody else. That's how they took their lead. That's why Jesus challenged the religious leaders as often as he did. Because it wasn't right. And then he says, along the way came a good Samaritan. Now this is where it gets uncomfortable for the expert. Because for the expert, he would have instantly looked down on this story. Because Samaritans were like second class citizens to the Jewish nation then. They didn't like them. Didn't even want to be around them. Couldn't stand them. And so they kept even a distance from them. And Jesus said the good Samaritan comes by and he sees the man lying there and stops. Obviously, the Good Samaritan had an agenda. He was on his way somewhere, but he chose to sacrifice wherever he was going, delayed that by stopping. He took out all, all of his own oil and ointment that he can use to help, you know, soothe the wounds of, of the Jewish man that was lying on the ground. He took out some bandages to bandage up, you know, his, his wounds, and then he picked him up, and he brought them to, brought him to, like, this, this hotel or this inn, and and he he paid for this person to, to stay the night. In fact, when he left the next morning, he, he said to the innkeeper, here's more money. Uh, I've got to go, but I want to make sure that he's taken care of. And so here's more so that if you need to get anything, you can get it. And on my way back, I will stop in. If I have to give you more to cover any other expenses, I will take care of it. He went above and beyond. You notice that in this moment, Jesus emphasizes... To love your neighbor above yourself. Beyond. To think about sacrifice. I want to say this. The reason why we've decided, like many others, to suspend activities and services for the next couple of weeks and we'll continue to monitor it, is that very thought, love your neighbor. And even on Friday when I was sitting having breakfast and I was thinking about you know the, the email that was going to go out and communicate what we were doing, I'll be honest with you, I was still having second thoughts about meeting, not because I was afraid but I felt the Holy Spirit just impress this thought, love your neighbor above yourself, so I'm not afraid, but maybe my neighbor is, and at the same time, I want to do whatever we can to help curb the spread of this virus so that we can get back to living life like we have been And as I sat there having breakfast, I thought to myself, if I love my neighbor that much, am I willing to sacrifice even gathering with the people that I love getting together with every Sunday? And the answer that I kept hearing in my heart and my spirit was yes. So after we sent out the email, about an hour later, an expert in the field that's been working with us had contacted me and as soon as they did, I knew in my heart we needed to switch gears. And I just said, look, this is not fear and I wanna be very clear about this. I wanna be very clear that this is really about sacrificing to honor the greater good around us, to love our neighbor locally and in doing so, I think we're loving our neighbor globally, to do our part. And if it means sacrificing in the sense of getting together or limiting some of our interactions and finding creative ways, which this is my point, and I said this in our communication to you in the second uh, email that we sent out. Listen, just because we can't get together doesn't mean that we can't be the church. We can still be the church, we can still grow You know, I I know that uh, the church is not gonna stop and the reason why is because the author and the finisher of our faith is Jesus and he is the Resurrector of life. He knows how to live and he's still alive today, sitting on the throne. So I know we can still do church. I know we can still do ministry. We're just gonna find creative ways to do it and we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna find ways to do this. And so I'm asking you to love your neighbor I'm asking you to trust God in moments like this and use wisdom and come alongside us and, and find a way to help the neighbors beside you. Share what you might have in the way of extra, you know, whether it's food until things kind of, you know, level out a little bit. Check in on them, especially those that are vulnerable in our community, those that have health risks or the elderly. We wanna make sure that we are protecting them. This is, the, this is what it means to love your neighbor above Yourself. Let's sacrifice. And while we're sacrificing, let's continue to engage. God. And I look forward to getting together with you in the future. And just because I did say, by the way, because I know some of you are going, well, you heard Pastor Craig say it. You know, we don't have to be in church in order to be the church. Listen, once we resume, I'm telling you, you need to be in church. I'm just saying, you need to find your local church. But we might continue to offer online because we want to continue, man, to share the message of hope and love to our community. That's what community church is all about. That's what uh, faith is all about. But I challenge you. In this moment, the right balance, the combination of things that can lead us to navigate through this smoothly like my nephew did on that hoverboard is when we choose to absolutely engage God and to express God by loving our neighbor above ourselves. So I encourage you. In fact, I wanna say one last thing before I pray and sign off. If you are a part of the community church family, or maybe you're watching this and you're in the area and you do need some help, contact the office, whether by phone, through our, you can find that number on our website, or email us, office at communitychurch.ca. If you need us to go grab you some groceries, if you need some help with, with anything, let us know, the staff, we're gonna do our best to help in any way that we can. And so in the next few moments, while I say that, I wanna take 30 seconds. Would you take 30 seconds right now And I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to call on God. Here's another way that we can be the church. Let's intercede on behalf of those that don't know how to intercede. They don't know that they have access to the throne room of God. So would you go ahead and do that? Just take a few moments, begin to pray that. Begin to pray for first responders. Pray for leaders today that are making decisions. Pray for families protection. Pray for those that are vulnerable in our community. In our region. Let's pray for healing. Let's, ex- let's engage God right now. So, Father, we thank you. I thank you again for this opportunity that we can do this. We have an opportunity to hit as many people in our church, and, and it, maybe they're not watching live right now. Maybe they'll watch this recording a little bit later on. I pray that, God, today this message, not because it's, it's me speaking it, because it's your word. I pray today that, God, you would use it to encourage and challenge, inspire. God, you would help us to find the right combination, which is in moments like this, this is the time where we engage you, we call on you, and we begin to express you. We begin to love our neighbor above ourselves. And so, God, we pray for all of our first responders right now that, God, are at the front lines. Thank you for them, God, for all the leaders that are, are making decisions. And, and I get it this week. I felt the weight. The leadership felt the weight. But, God, I can only imagine what that weight feels like when they're watching over a nation or watching over a province or a city. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would give them wisdom beyond their years, beyond their understanding or comprehension. I pray, God, that you would, you would encourage them today, that, God, you would watch over our families God, I pray a hand of protection would be upon every one of them. God, I think about those that that are really vulnerable in moments like this, those that are dealing with um, immune suppression or dealing with heart issues, lung issues, um, any kind of health issue that's been communicated through the CDC or the World Health Organization or the vulnerable in the way of the elderly. Lord, I pray that God, you would watch over them, that God, you would protect them, And I pray, Father God, that this virus would absolutely curb, that, God, it would not just curb, but, God, it would go away. And so, Lord, would you give us wisdom to take the right steps? And, Holy Spirit, would you guide us and lead us? God, continue to do your ministry among us. God, continue to encourage people and be with us. And, God, thank you that no matter where we meet and no matter where we're going on, you're there. And, man, what a powerful thought that is that you're not just there in the way of far off and looking at it, you're right in the middle of all of it. And your presence is there, your provision is there, and we hold tight to that today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, community, and to everybody else that might be watching this, let me encourage you, engage God and express God. Love your neighbor. I'm PC, this is Community Church, your place to belong. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with Everything Community Church. Also, check us out at www.